You are listening to Master Coaching with Ajit, a podcast that inspires coaches to impact lives of their clients more meaningfully. I am Coach Ajit, and I'm known for coaching high performers, entrepreneurs, and leaders. I'm also a serial entrepreneur and author of many books. On this podcast, I am answering your burning questions. I'm also demonstrating and deconstructing behind-the-scenes coaching sessions. So you are a trainer and a coach as well. Mm -hmm. What got you started in that? How did you get excited about all of this? Oh, boy. (laughs) My previous lifetime, I was a personal trainer and a mindset coach for celebrities in Los Angeles. So I did that for about 10 years. And I remember one of my clients, her name was Jackie Warner, and she was a trainer. She was a celebrity trainer herself. And she hired me to be her butt trainer. I mean, my job was literally to sculpt her butt. And she had like four trainers. She had a boxing trainer. She had a strength coach. And I remember this one day we were talking and she said to me, we were talking in shop about the fitness industry and how to make it and how to be successful. And she said, if I can offer you one piece of advice, she said, never do it for the money. And I was like, huh. I was like, okay. And I was somewhat new in my career and built a really great roster of clientele. And uh, my first private client actually was Ben Stiller. And so I got him in awesome shape. And so it just really supported me in, in getting my name out there. And I never forgot what she said. And I got to a point in my career where I realized that I was no longer passionate about it. I was collecting a paycheck and and I found myself doing it for the money. And I was like, okay, it's time to pivot. And it was right around this time where I became really passionate about human behavior and emotional intelligence, somatic trainings. And I, I found myself being a student of this work and just fell in love with it. And I was like, this is what I want to do. And so I really poured myself into this work and hired just incredible mentors and worked with really incredible trainers that supported me in figuring out my own modality and kind of my own style and the way that I wanted to support people. And so I really brought my work, the same kind of work I was doing with my clients. I mean, I was transforming them from the inside out, but from like their muscles and their, you know, structure of their actual physical body. But I was like, I really want to work with them on a deeper level and a deeper capacity. Like I really want to go to the heart of who they are and evoke that from them and bring that to life. And that really inspired me. And so I just dove into leadership, dove into emotional intelligence, human behavior, and really studied that and met my husband kind of in that time frame. And he became really passionate about that work as well. And then we just, we picked up our lives out of Los Angeles, moved to San Diego. This was in beginning of 2016. And then we founded our leadership academy, our emotional intelligence academy, Ascension Leadership Academy. People affectionately call it ALA. And yeah, so that's that's how we started doing what we're doing. And we love it. It's just been, it's our purpose, which has then, of course, brought us to Austin. And what does the Academy focus on as in trainings? Specifically emotional intelligence. So mm-hmm. it's all experiential, really hands-on. We support people in looking at the parts of themselves that are the best parts of themselves. And we have developed this curriculum specifically, like the context of the curriculum that we've really been able to provide people. We've graduated, I think now, I mean, well over a thousand people. And we really support people at looking at themselves from within from the inside out and then also outside in so that in real time, they can understand why they get triggered, Mm -hmm. why they react in a certain way in high stress situations. Why do they respond this way that's not in alignment with their authentic selves? Mm -hmm. And we give them really powerful tools to be able to identify that and then shift in a way that is going to be in alignment with what they want to create, the world they want to create, the relationships they want to have. They learn how to respond 
responsibly. And we all have the ability to respond. So to be response able in a way that really supports them in, in bridging gaps and creating connections and having their vision be absolutely level 10. I mean, everyone's capable of having life that they want. And it really comes down to being able to identify what's in your blind spot What's getting in the way of you having a level 10 relationship? What's getting in the way of you having the kind of community that you want? So everyone's capable of that. You just get to really be able to see what's standing in your way. Beautiful. Tell me, I'm still trying to grasp as to what is the tool that a person's getting? Is it more understanding themselves or is it more how to regulate your emotional response? It's being emotionally responsible and emotionally intelligent. So being smarter mm-hmm. than your emotions. Mm-hmm. We all have fears. We all have triggers. We all have things that prevent us from being our most authentic selves and being able to understand specifically where our triggers come from because we're all born perfectly beautiful and perfectly capable and perfectly imperfect. And then, of course, we have these moments in our lives that start to create these walls, like our interpretations of the experiences and the events that we have. I'll give you an example. Like we're three, we're four, we're five. We think that anything's possible. We think that we're beautiful. We love ourselves. And then something happens, some event, some experience takes place that has us start to shift the way that we view the world we start to lose our faith in humanity. We start to lose trust in people. Someone that we look to for guidance says something that absolutely crushes us. Dad forgets to pick us up from school or family member abuses us physically, mentally, emotionally, sexually. Like we we have these experiences in our early development as people three, four, or five years old, where we don't have the faculty, we don't have the tool set, we don't have the, the mindset, the ability to understand why these things are taking place. So we start to create this interpretation without this support system. And it oftentimes is not emotionally intelligent. I mean, we don't have those tools yet. And so when we start to have these experiences in our life and we start to create these interpretations, that actually limits us and prevents us. We find ourselves having fear about taking risks. We start to tell ourselves that we're not worthy. We're not lovable. We aren't capable. I mean, we, I mean, think about like the way that most people treat children and it's just ongoing generational trauma. I mean, at some point we get to be response able to interrupt that programming, that conditioning and create a brand new pattern. And, and a lot of the stuff that we experience in our, in our life, it's not our fault. I mean, the beliefs that we have about ourselves, about the world, it's not our fault, but it is our responsibility to create a brand new interpretation that is going to set us up for life and, and have us live our purpose. Beautiful. One of the biggest challenges that I believe is in our society is the challenge that you solve. Mm-hmm. We are very reactive as society. And as a society, I believe that because we don't train from all the way as, as children, we are never really, nobody talks about emotions or emotional imagines. All you're told is to kind of like, you know, don't be so mad, don't be so angry, you know, quieten your voice, all that stuff that really impacts us later in life. Uh, the current generation that is there, and I'm when I say current, I don't mean Gen Z only, Gen X, Gen Z, mm-hmm. whoever you may talk about, has never really had a true education on understanding emotions. What is it that you've found to be one of the most powerful or some of the most powerful tools that could help, say, a listener that may be struggling with the same. I really do believe that relationships, the reason why we have chaotic relationships in modern times, people have shorter uh, engagements with their partners or we're not so patient with our kids is because we never learned how to really regulate. We just learned, you know, maybe somewhere along the new narrative is just express yourself. Nothing wrong with that. But there is also relational intelligence, which... Mm -hmm may be a lot to do with emotional intelligence and emotional regulation. 
What have you found to be some of the most effective things that somebody could take? And do you even believe what I just said? Do you think that's any sense to that because you've worked with people on this field? And then if yes, then what is something that you've found to be really powerful? I think as far as a level of empowerment and the most powerful way to shift some of the stuff is to create a powerful affirmation or a powerful I am statement that starts to interrupt your current experience, your current reality. Because if you think about fearful experiences or a reality where people create this interpretation and then start to create these in what most people would think is a truth, if we're experiencing anxiety or experiencing fear in our body or something isn't feeling right in our body, the fastest way to kind of interrupt that and something that I've found works for me is what is this interpretation that I'm creating right now? Is this actually true? Like, what do I know to be actually true right now? Do I have all the information? Do I have all the data? Do I have facts? Do I have evidence? Because we start to create these fears or these interpretations about a conversation that went south or went a different direction. Or we think about a conversation that we just had and we're like, oh, I wish I would have said that. Or they probably think this about me or whatever interpretation we start to create. If we feel the sense of anxiety or fear in our bodies, it's an indicator that something is not in alignment. And I always ask myself, what's the fact right now? What's the truth? What do I know to be true? And then I bring it back to what I know to be true about myself. And I give myself a powerful affirmation that I'm loved. I am supported. I am infinitely provided for no matter what. I mean, we've all made it through 100% of our worst days. I mean, if we're sitting here and we're breathing, we're looking at our iPhone and whatever you know method you're listening to this or watching this right now, you're fine. <laughs> I mean, really think about it. You've gotten through 100% of your worst days. And if you think about the times in your life where you thought your whole world was going to crumble, you thought that everything was going to fall apart and maybe it did fall apart, but honestly, it all came back together because you're sitting here, you're breathing, you've got a roof over your head, you've got food in your belly. So at the end of the day, we make things so much worse than they actually are based on our interpretation, based on the story that we tell because we're focusing on something that we've experienced in our past, which has us then be afraid of the future which takes us out of the present moment. So how can we bring ourselves to this present moment right here, right now? The only place that anything brand new can occur is right now in this moment. So what do we want to create? What's the interpretation that we want to create that's going to have us feel at home in our body, calm, present, focused, find your breath, find your breath and breathe and create an affirmation that is, I mean, could be like a, a safe word for you. And for me, it's like, I always know that I'm infinitely provided for my family is always provided for and taken care of. No matter what happens, no matter what the event is, I know that I'm going to be able to navigate it. I know that I'm going to be able to get through it because I have evidence, the evidence of my past. I mean, I I was 17 years old. I fell out of my barn, um, landed on my head on concrete, found myself in a coma, woke up from the coma with brain damage, and it was a long road to recovery. And I got through it. So if I'm able to navigate that and heal through that and overcome that, then no matter what challenge I find myself encountering, I know that I can get through that as well. Beautiful. So would you say one of what I'm hearing is one of the techniques that I'm getting beyond have a I am affirmative statement is that somewhere along the line, you, you kind of recognize that you always overcome things mm -hmm. and you have some version of a timeline in your mind where you go, you know, the worst, whatever at that time I thought the worst has happened and I was through it. Mm -hmm. Do you recommend that as one of the ways to... What, what I find is a lot of the times we know the technique, but we don't implement it. Um, and that I feel like is something to do more with trusting ourselves. Mm -hmm. Is I think that maybe 
And I'm not saying I have quantitative data to prove it, but that's where my reflection is right now. It's like, why is it that we don't do things? Even if we know that this is what we should be doing, we know when we are angry, we say things that we don't like later. Like there's 100% of us have been after a whole blowout gone, why the fuck did I say that? Mm-hmm. You know, like, and I don't even mean it, right? Mm-hmm. And, but we all have that. And some place we just don't. And I think that's the reason why we don't actually implement those ideas that we learn from a podcast like this or from your trainings and so forth, from your Instagram stories. And you're a great presenter on Instagram as well. So do you feel that's something that is a missing piece, trusting ourselves to do things? You know, it's so interesting. We, we as human beings, we tend to go to what we know the most and what we're most familiar with. And what we're most familiar with is what feels the best because it's certain and we know the outcome. I mean, I have a friend who finds comfort in in chaos, finds comfort in drama. And if there isn't drama and if there isn't chaos, it's created because that is what is most familiar. That's what's known based on a childhood narrative. That was the norm. And so if it's not being created, then it's not right happening right here, right now. It's somehow generated, created because that's what's comfortable. And so we have the information I mean, we can read all the books, we can watch the podcast, listen to the podcast, we can go to the transformational experiences and sit with ayahuasca and like all these things. We get these downloads. And it's not until we are willing to confront our ego, to confront our 3D relationship with the self that we're actually able to move through it and move past it. But it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to confront your ego because we can have like the 5D wisdom, knowledge, information, interpretation, but we live in a 3D world. We have 3D egos and we're going to bump up against other 3D egos. So if we're not willing to confront those parts of ourselves, because when we come up against another ego and we can identify, we're like, oh, well, they're this way and they don't do that and they don't know that. And it's like, spot it, you got it. Mm -hmm. You can see it in that other person. How is that a reflection of you? And how can we be response-able, responsible, where we can not only identify that within ourselves, identify it with somebody else and, and really practice compassion and practice forgiveness and, and and practice meeting people where they are. So I think it's really important to know that, again, people will go to what they know. And as uncomfortable as that may be, whether it's chaos or drama or, you know, sabotaging relationships, I'm going to leave them before they leave me kind of thing. As uncomfortable as that is, it's actually comfort because it's what's known. And so we've got to be able to identify those parts about ourselves and be willing to do the work be willing to get really messy and really uncomfortable and confront those parts of ourselves and stand toe to toe with our ego and do shadow work and and like really identify these parts of ourselves if we actually want to move through it. And I believe that our wounds are our wounds. I think that they're always going to be there. I believe that the work is never done. You know, it's like the ego likes to believe that like, oh, well, I've killed my ego and I'm done with it. It's like your ego is always going to be with you. So developing new relationship with the ego. And actually, I believe that our ego is actually our most powerful compass. Because when we experience parts of our ego, it's like, oh, I really don't like that about myself. And oh, I really hate it when I do that. And I hate it when I say, oh, it's like, okay, that's just an identifier. That's that's something showing up for you because that's not who you want to be. Who you actually want to be is your authentic self, like the most beautiful parts about you. And so for me, I utilize my ego as the compass, as a kind of like an identifier of when I get triggered or when I, I get activated. It's just a reminder for me that like, I don't want to show up that way. 
Mm-hmm. Who I want to be is loving. Who I want to be is compassionate. Who I want to be is forgiving. And that's my work. My biggest work is forgiveness. So I think that I'm always going to find ways. My ego is always going to find a way to practice that. And that's my biggest work in this lifetime. And how did you start the journey of confronting your ego? Mm. Or identifying that that's the contemplation you need? I mean, truthfully, it was in my my head trauma accident when I was 17. Prior to my accident, and this is also when I learned that I had the ability to manifest literally anything, literally anything. I found myself in a really, really dark spot leading up to my accident. For about three or four months, I used to lay in bed at night and wish that I could witness my own funeral. I would obsess about it because I wanted to be able to see who would show up because I had this story that I didn't matter, that I didn't have any friends, that people didn't care about me. So I'm like, if I could just witness my own funeral, then I would see who actually cared about me. Then I would see who was actually my true friend. And then I was like, you know what? I don't want to die. Because if I die, then what am I going to do with that information? So I started focusing my energy on what would it be like to be in some kind of an accident that would be serious enough for me to be in the ICU. I was very specific about that. And in that, I fast forward, was in a head trauma accident, woke up in the ICU, out of a coma with brain damage and had no short-term memory. And it was almost like I had this rebirth because I was in this in this hospital room and I kept forgetting why I was there. But people kept showing up and they kept showing up in such a way that I felt supported and I felt loved and I felt like I was important and I that I was that I actually mattered. And so that was the information that I needed to have. I asked the universe for it and the universe gave it to me. So we can manifest anything. Anything that we focus our energy on long enough whether it's desirable or undesirable, we're going to manifest it. And so it was kind of in that whole experience that I got to really understand that my purpose was to utilize my pain, like turn my pain into purpose and utilize my most painful experiences to use my voice for people that didn't have a voice or didn't know that they could have a voice or they didn't know that they mattered enough to have a voice. And so it really started around that time. And I just have become very passionate about doing shadow work because that's the work. What do you you mean by shadow work? Shadow work is confronting your ego, confronting the the dark parts of yourself, the parts that you hate, the parts, I'll speak from I, the parts about myself when I'm doing shadow work is the parts about myself that I'm not proud of, the parts of myself, it's like the private conversations where I say things to myself that I would never, ever say to anybody else. I would never, ever say to a child, but it's the internal conversations that we have, like you're stupid, you don't matter, you're not enough, no matter what you do, it'll never be enough, like those internal conversations that we would never share with anybody else. But I mean, we all have an inner child as well. So if you think about it, I mean, you're a father, you have children, you would never say the things that you say to yourself, you would never say those things to your children ever. But we say those things to our inner children all the time. And we don't, we forget that. We forget that we have this inner child within ourselves. And so it's it's remembering that. And our ego really honestly wants to protect our inner child. Our ego doesn't want us to be embarrassed or to have an experience. We're going to find shame or we're going to be falling flat on our face. So our ego tells us to play it safe, stay small, don't go for the risky things because we don't want to fall flat on our face. We don't want to experience failure. We don't want to experience risking and then having an outwork out. So our ego is really honestly trying to protect us. And so if we start to develop a new relationship with our ego, with our shadow, and we can actually find gratitude for that part of ourselves. Like, thank you for wanting to keep me safe. Thank you for wanting to protect me. But I have a much bigger purpose than the level of your voice. My purpose is louder than your voice. And so I'm going to have that be the loudest part of myself is standing in my purpose and standing for what I'm here to cause and create in this lifetime. And, you know, the only thing that's going to ever stand in the way of us having everything we want is a small, tiny, limiting belief. 
And if we listen to that voice and we listen to our shadow, we listen to our ego and we believe that that is true, like I'm not worth it, I don't matter, I can't, I won't, I never will, then that's the stuff that prevents us from having everything that we desire. And you think about how many people bring their dreams to the grave. How many people are laying on their deathbed thinking back and going, man, like I didn't have that conversation. I didn't go after it. Oh, that one got away. Oh, I never like went for it. I mean, the founder of Starbucks, I'm making up this, he heard no like 200 something times. Mm-hmm. He was going for, I mean, I, I'm totally paraphrasing, but I think that it was something to the effect of he was trying to get a loan for starting Starbucks and he kept hearing no, 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 no. Most people would stop after five times. Most would stop mm-hmm. after one. Yep. For sure. Most people stop after 20, 30, 40, 50 times, but it was something like 200 plus times until he finally got the yes. And now look what he's created. It's a global, global impact. Mm-hmm. That's very, very true. So what I've understood is shadow work is to identify what are those parts of you that you're uncomfortable with or that you would only do to yourself or be in private. And then the second step that I understood off the work, and I'm just trying to kind of gauge, okay, there's shadow identification, mm-hmm. which is this is the shadow. And then there's the shadow work. What I understood of this this conversation is to is to express gratitude towards it and then move on and let the real self or the other self take over the leap or is it something more that is involved? In I would shadow say work? that's the one way to do shadow work is I think a, a great way to utilize your ego and utilize your shadow is to find gratitude for it. But mm-hmm. actual shadow work is it's painful. I mean, you will experience having an ego death. I mean, the ego will never, ever go away. People try to kill the ego and be done with it forever, but the ego will never go away. It's, it's a part, we actually need our ego. It's a part of ourselves that actually supports us. And so if we give ourselves permission to utilize it as a tool to remind us of who we authentically are in those moments where we get triggered, in those moments where we find ourselves being up against it and like, you know, our ego wants to keep us safe and keep us in this little box is actually a tool that we can utilize. So I don't believe in killing the ego once and for all. I don't believe that's even possible. So people will sit with ayahuasca or they'll sit with plant medicine again and again and again and again and again because they're trying to just kill the ego once and for all, but we can't. Our ego is part of ourselves. So be in relationship with that. I mean, imagine going on a road trip with somebody that you freaking hate. You're going to be, you're driving cross country from California to New York and you freaking hate this person. That would be horrible. So how can you create joy in that? How can you be like, all right, man, we don't get along, (laughs) but let's find some music that maybe we can kind of enjoy together. And, you know, I'm going to roll down the window. I'm going to enjoy the scenery. And like, I don't really enjoy you all the time, but I'm going to find a way to just agree to disagree. Like, can we just agree to disagree? Let's find joy in this road trip because there's no escaping it. Mm -hmm. Beyond the shadow work, what has been some of the most powerful experiences you've had that has led you to create your own methodology? Well, a lot of people don't really know the work that I do. I don't talk about it a lot, but I'll, I mean, there's nothing I won't talk about, so I'll talk about it here. I'm an energy healer. I'm an energy worker. I've really found a deep practice with plant medicine and I've sat in countless ceremonies and the work that I do, kind of like the Trojan horse is ALA. I mean, mm-hmm. people come through ALA and this is, of course, it's a lot of ego work. It's a lot of like 3D work. But the work that I'm most passionate about is more 5D working with people's energy and healing that and working with people's energy grids and clearing. And so the work that I do is I can't really put, it's not really a way I can actually describe it. It's it's just, it's, it's pure energy work. So that's the stuff that I'm most passionate about. Like, of course, I love to obliterate people's egos for a short while, but the ego is always going to come back. It's not going to be gone forever, but I love to do that work. But the work that I love, love, love to do with people is 
it's a much higher level of transformation that people get to experience. a very open audience. Yeah, we, I we mean, we have uh, all kinds of people that listen to our podcast. Absolutely. And they all believe in that you work. So. Yeah. So, so the work that we do at ALA is we didn't create that curriculum. We didn't create that methodology. I mean, uh, the curriculum that we provide, here's what I'll say. The context of what we create at ALA is very specific and it's our own context that we've really created there. But the, the curriculum there, I mean, the curriculum has been around for decades. We've adapted it in a way that is applicable to today's leaders. And we've really shifted the curriculum that has really created an opportunity for people to look at the parts themselves that really does work. And ELA is the emotional intelligence part yes. of things. So that's mm-hmm. our emotional intelligence work that we do. And we teach leadership, we teach uh, effective communication, we teach radical ownership, responsibility. Because if you look at the world as it is right now, I mean, people who are quote unquote leading us, I think there's a, a huge gap. There's, there's a, a drought of responsible leadership. And so that's my stand is to impact the most leaders as possible, like really support people in learning what it means to be authentic, what it means to be humble, what it means to be transparent as a leader, because I think there's a shortage of that today. But once people go through our process, I then develop an opportunity to create a deeper connection with people and do actual work on their energy, on their fields, who they authentically are. And so sometimes that's with plant medicine, sometimes it's absolutely with no medicine at all. But I I give people an opportunity to really tap into the parts of them, like the essence of who they are, to awaken that from within themselves and like surrender, surrender the parts about themselves that don't work. And so... It's hard to describe. I've never actually talked about it. Like literally, <laughs> I've never talked about it. The work that I do with people, of course, there's ALA. I talk about it all the time. But like the actual work that I'm most passionate about, working with the actual essence of people, their energy and working with their grid and clearing certain parts of themselves that it's just, it's just energy. It's just stuck energy that's, mm-hmm. that's in their grid. And so I, I literally pull it up and out of them and like cast it back into the light, the parts of themselves mm-hmm. that is confused energy or dark energy. I don't like to say dark energy because I believe that energy is energy, right? Like mm-hmm. we can have a judgment about, oh, this is dark or this is bad, but there's confused energy and there's stuck energy that just really wants mm-hmm. to go back to the light. And so I, I support people in, in moving that through. And mm-hmm. um, and this is one-on-one work or this is a this group is, work that you This do? is really, really intimate. This is really intimate work. Sometimes one-on-one really just specific and it's more private. So it's mm-hmm. like we have ALAs, we have bigger groups. We'll have like this past weekend, we had 53 students graduate from level one, which is awesome. And that's the discovery training. That's when they discover the source of all their triggers, mm-hmm. why they react and respond the way that they do. And and then level two is the breakthrough process where they get to mm-hmm. confront their ego. And the first half of the training, it's a four-day training, First half of the training is incredibly uncomfortable. It's it's confrontational. It's interruptive. Feedback, giving and receiving feedback that in an, in any other situation you probably would not be receiving or giving, and you get to really see why you respond the way that you do. It's undeniable. Like it's mm-hmm. absolutely undeniable. In the second half of the training, people experience being absolutely unbridled, completely confident, courageous, embracing every single part of themselves. Otherwise, they necessarily would not be presenting to the world. And it's really powerful. And then they begin level three after that. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. So ALA probably works on the psychological level and the work that you're talking about or the work that you're exploring or the work that you don't talk about enough is probably more related to the spiritual realm, mm-hmm. realm the, the realm that we as society are still exploring. In a Absolutely. Way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would say, again, ALA, the work we do at ALA is more, it really, it's ego work. It's mm-hmm. shadow work. It's 
confronting the parts of yourself that do not work and allowing the parts about yourself that really work and having those come to a whole other level, like really giving yourself permission to be that. Like I'll give you an example. So I've really come into ownership and recognition and awareness of the fact that I want to have a rap album. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just announcing it. I'm going to release a rap album at some point in my life because I've not allowed myself to embrace that of me and about me. Mm-hmm. But I channeled, downloaded four amazing abundance mantras that mm-hmm. have original music that basically the music was matched with what came through me. And so I recorded this in a studio mm-hmm. and um, we produced videos. And so I'm like, okay, so how do I take it to another level? Okay, I want to do a visual album because mm-hmm. in the videos that we have now, it's not me, it's, it's people because I'm not making it about me. I'm like, it's not about me. It's not about me. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, actually, it is about me. Have you seen Lemonade? Beyonce's mm-hmm. Lemonade, her yeah. visual album, that is a whole other level of magic and artistry. I'm like, and I get to embrace my artist. So I'm in this season now where I'm embracing my inner artist and mm-hmm. I want to produce albums. I want to produce music. I want to create this whole other outlet for myself that's going to allow me to be the fullest expression of me. And so I stand for other people to be that. And I'm finding this part of myself that's coming to life. And mm-hmm. that's the next chapter for me is just embracing my own inner artist. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And you discovered that in an artist as you were more tapped into your ego work or you were more tapped into your spiritual work? I would say it's when I gave myself permission to embrace the healer part of myself. When I really started to sit with medicine in a way, plant medicine in a way that unlocked this whole aspect of me. And it was when I was pregnant with Jax, my firstborn, that I channeled this abundance. It was an abundance course. And it was five weeks before he was born. I had all this creativity moving through me. I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to release this course. I want to support people in knowing that they have the ability to create literally anything that they want. And so I channeled this abundance course and I, I think it was a matter of like three days. And in one studio sitting, four abundance mantras just came through me. No notes, no preparation, closed my eyes, channeled these mantras. And the producer who helped me to create this, and he basically created the music to go with it. And I was like, okay. And with these tracks, I produced these videos and basically created this abundance course launched it, released it, no ads, just like released into the universe and organically enrolled dozens and dozens and dozens of women and released it and like then gave birth to my son. And then of course, right before I'm about to give birth again to my second um, jet, and all this creativity coming through me. And I started writing a book in 2020 and I felt all these blocks. And then of course, right before I'm about to give birth, I'm like, okay, I'm finishing the book. And I was joking. I was talking with my coach. I'm like, I got to finish my book before my son is born. Cause then of course I'm going to be a new mom. And when am I going to have time and all the things. So his due date was May 2nd. And I said, I got to finish my book. I'm declaring that 42222 because I love those numbers. 42222. I'm going to be done with my book. I'm declaring it. That's it. And I joke with her. I said, just watch. I'm going to hit the last period on the last page, last sentence, last chapter. I'm going to send it off to my editor and then I'm going to go into labor. And that's literally what happened. <laughs> I literally finished my book, sent it to my editor. I was like, oh, okay. I'm in, I'm I'm early stages of labor. All right. And I basically was in labor for two and a half hours and was at the hospital an hour later after I started feeling all these contractions. Um, pushed eight times and there he was. So he wow. literally I gave birth 4.23. So it was like, you know, 2 a.m. But I mean, we have the ability to give birth to anything, literally, figuratively. I gave birth to a book and a baby literally within hours of each other. And so it's being in the practice of trusting that about ourselves, knowing that we can create whatever we desire. 
when we trust ourselves, when we give ourselves permission to know that we have the ability to manifest whatever we want and know that we're not separate from God, we're directly connected to all of it, everything that exists literally right now, that's when we can manifest anything we want in an instant. We just get to remember that we have the ability to do that. Beautiful, beautiful. Is there a practice that helps you be more connected to the 5D world? Is there something beyond plant medicine because that's not accessible to everyone that's a listener of this podcast? But apart from that, is there something that you're like, you know, that's when I feel really tapped in? Yeah, when I talk to God, if I feel that I'm not connected to source, I find myself not being in direct connection or I find myself feeling anxious or I'm not home in my body. I just really just find my breath, taking some really deep breaths. And I ask myself and also God, what do I know to be true right now? Mm-hmm. What do I know to be true? Is the story that I'm making up factual? Is it actually what's happening right now? And almost 99.99% of the time, it's not. Mm-hmm. So what's happening right now in this moment, you and I are having a conversation. And the only thing that would not have me be present right here, right now, is I'm thinking about, oh my gosh, I got to pick up my son at this time. And like, oh, I got to do this. And that. it's like the anxiety. It's the the focusing on the future based on things that we've experienced in our past that we're then bringing forth into the present moment, which is not possible because the past is over. It doesn't exist. We're like, oh, well, then we start thinking about the future and we're like stressed out about it because uh, that's the only thing that can rob us of being present. This conversation that we're having right now is so special and it, it matters and it's going to impact people. I mean, this is the only thing that's real right now. What's happening right here, right now, this is the only thing that's real. Everything else is an interpretation. Everything else is made up in our minds. We have no idea what's happening outside of this room. So this right here right now is the only thing that's happening. And what's happening right now is we're having a beautiful conversation. So if I'm not here with you and like connecting to God and having this information come through me to you, to the people who are listening, then I'm robbing myself of this connection I'm having with you. I'm robbing the people listening. So I am at home in my body. And so if we are finding ourselves in fear, we find ourselves having some kind of an anxious conversation or interpretation, it's because we're not allowing ourselves to be connected to God. So breathe. What do you know to be true? Like, is this fearful thing that I'm allowing myself to entertain, is it actually true? And oftentimes it's not. So true and so beautifully said. Jenna, is there something that our students can learn about, about ALA, about your other work? Is there a place where they can go and learn more about? Absolutely. You can find me anywhere across the interweb, Jenna Phillips Ballard. I'm literally the only one in the entire universe. So I'm easy to find Jenna Phillips Ballard. There are a lot of Jenna Phillipses, a lot of Jenna Ballards, but only one Jenna Phillips Ballard. (laughs) So you can find me there all over social media. You can go to my website, jennaphillipsballard.com. You can also go to alaeq.com, EQ, like emotional intelligence, alaeq.com. And then you can find out more about our trainings there, but really easy to find me on social media. Amazing. Is there anything that you'd like to share as a closing thought, as a closing note to our listeners? Thank you for that question. You matter. What you're here to cause in this lifetime is important. The world needs you to trust yourself, trust God, and trust the timing of the universe. Thank you. Thank you for that.